0: Welcome back to the Refresh Podcast. Now, we apologize that you're listening to this on a Thursday. Um, our producer is down. That's the real secret. He um, has a horrible flu, but because it was a public holiday on Monday, you probably don't even know what day it is anyway. Yeah, it's practically Wednesday. <laughs> it's so It's Wednesday, so yep. it doesn't matter. Um, but this week, we have some really cool fitness tips, sleep tips, um, way to stay motivated in winter. Um, okay, so, Juliet, you wrote, how fasted workouts can help you achieve your fitness goals. I love intermittent fasting. I love all fasting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like doing it, but I'm fascinated <laughs> like by I it. <laughs> Tell me, does it work and how?
1: So this was quite an interesting one. It actually came up in a previous story. Um, it just was brought up by one of the dietitians, so I thought I would um, delve a little bit further. So fasted workouts, are, as they sound, you exercise um, on, a, on an empty stomach before mm-hmm. you've um, had brekkie. And the thought process behind it is that you're increasing your aerobic capacity, but also increasing your body's ability to use fat as a fuel source rather than breakfast. Right. So So
0: you're burning your fat stores.
1: That's ideally what happens. Okay. So it's quite interesting. Interesting. Um, but there are important rules around it. Okay. So um this kind of suits um short kind of cardio sessions okay. like A morning run or maybe like a cycle to work, but not anything. Over maybe 60 to 90 minutes. Okay. Nothing too long. No. No, Who's got the time
2: in the morning anyway? I know. Exactly.
1: Shorter is better. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Smash it out. And so do you just get up out of bed, do your exercise and then?
1: Exactly. So it's best to do it first thing in the morning. So you're not kind of awake for two hours and then exercise. Yeah. Because
0: then you'd be so hungry by that point that you'd
1: probably faint. Exactly. And you as well, you don't want to do it if um, it's a super high intensity training or if you're weight training. So if you're lifting weights and you're trying to, you know, bulk. Yes that means that your body might be using your muscle proteins instead of the fat or the carbs. Sure. So So it depends on the type of training and also your goals for
0: your fitness. Exactly. Okay. So
2: like a perfect thing to do would be roll out of bed, cycle to work. Yeah, get ready at work and then eat your breakfast.
0: Perfect. Or go for a quick run or something. Mm. Ideal. I love it.
1: I think it's doable. I I think so too. I think a lot of us do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Not everyone's you know hungry and obviously do they suggest
0: morning because you fasted overnight? Exactly. So you don't want to wait all day and not eat anything and then work out after work because you'll probably be exhausted.
1: Exactly. Okay. And as well, important to refuel afterwards. So um, after you finish that, you know that morning cardio session or a lighter intensity, shorter session. um, Yes, you get to eat and. ideally between you know 20 to 30 minutes afterwards okay, so don't away. wait too long or you, otherwise you might you know Miss feel a bit fatigued
0: cool i love that that's doable the next one was quite exciting five signs you may not be eating enough i wasn't any of these though
2: <laughs> none of these apply to me <laughs>
0: shame um, but i think there's a lot of people that um don't eat enough or they mm. cut carbs completely thinking that they're doing themselves a favor when they're not. Mm-hmm. So what are the signs that you're not eating enough?
1: So the first one was you feel sluggish all day. So that might be, you know, after you've had your coffee or you know, you just got that kind of general feeling of a little bit perhaps under the weather, mm-hmm. you just can't concentrate. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, your your body telling you that you know, you don't have enough fuel. It's like kind of think of like the car analogy, yep. you know, a car can't go without fuel. Yeah, That's the same with your body. Interesting. So that was the first, first one. Yes. Um, second was you're constantly constipated. I
0: was surprised by this yes. one because I thought like to be constipated, you had to have a lot of things yep.
2: in your body but doesn't that all doesn't that all just keep it going yeah exactly true. so
1: the fiber in food is what kind of helps you know keep our bowel movements regular yes yeah. so and if you're not
2: eating enough food
0: and therefore enough fiber yes it's all,
1: exactly yeah. and we also get a lot of um a lot of hydration from food so your things like fruits and vegetables mm. so if we're not having those then you know water and fiber the kind of key to helping you poo. Yes, mm. fair enough.
0: You're constantly hungry. Well, I, that was quite obvious.
1: Yeah, exactly. But yeah. you know, something I think important to note as well: um, a bit of you know, a bit of hunger before lunchtime is probably normal. But yes. if you're hungry all day, every day, something's might not, not right. be right. Yeah, not eating enough. No. Mm. Um, you snap at every little thing. <laughs> I mean, I get snappy when I'm hungry. Exactly. So that makes but sense. then you eat, right? Yeah,
0: you get hungry. You yeah. eat. You feel happy. So
1: if you're ignoring those cues, then that might be um, a bit of a telltale sign that something's. Not right, or yeah. you know, yeah,
0: yeah, that makes sense. And then the last one was interesting. You often feel thirsty. I often get these mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're working all day and you've mm-hmm. got to drink your water, and you think, oh, I need a snack, but actually, you probably just need it's interesting, isn't to it? Glass or two of water. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because hunger thirst starts out feeling like hunger almost. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm. Okay, let's all go and eat more.
2: Mm -hmm. Be careful, Um, everyone.
0: (laughs) Emily, I loved this story. I think it's really important. You know, it's a serious topic. How to tell if social media is giving you anxiety. I think this is an epidemic, particularly Uh, amongst young women. It's quite scary. It is scary. What, is it giving us anxiety? Um, Well, I think it's...
2: Firstly, it's important to note that it's social media anxiety. It's not an actual clinical term, so it hasn't been defined as an actual thing by psychologists or whatever. But in media and stuff, it's sort of become an accepted way to refer to the anxiety a lot of people do get when they um, go on social media because it is a trigger. Mm -hmm. So um, do you know that half of the Australian population log into Facebook Every day, yeah half. that's pretty nuts, that's a lot. considering the there's so population. many kids mm. and so many
0: elderly that yeah. when you take into account the entire population and half of us are still doing it, yeah, it's a lot,
2: yeah, so, and obviously, the way you use social media I mean, it can be a great thing, it can be really beneficial, but some people are like getting it it's making them feel anxious and what mm. we're seeing is they're getting almost fearful when they log on to social media yeah. they're even getting like physical symptoms like sweaty palms wow um rashes everything is it because oh they're gosh. addicted to it addiction plays a part definitely yeah. um but it's also i think it's this thing of being scared of how it makes you feel and you not feeling good about it but feel like also like not wanting to let it go. Yeah, not miss out. Yeah, and not yeah. miss out. I maybe. mean, I
0: can relate to that. I'm in my mid-30s. I should be beyond comparing mm-hmm. myself to people. But you get on Instagram and you're like, oh, great. They're off on another holiday. Mm-hmm. They've got something new to wear. You know, you can't help but compare your life to theirs, even though you know it's the highlights. Yeah, exactly. It's quite scary. So what, Um, I mean, I know you've got some great... um Snippets from your interview, which we'll insert here, so you can hear from the expert.
2: Yeah, so I spoke to I spoke to Amanda mm-hmm. Lambros from Curtin at University, but also Dr. Bridie Anne O'Day from the Black Dog Institute, mm-hmm. and she was saying she had some great tips about um, how do I guess gauge whether or not social media is causing you problems mm-hmm. in your way, yeah, in your way that you um, communicate with it. So she said one really good tip is to measure how you're feeling before and after you log on mm-hmm. and. And it's literally as simple as that, just taking stock mm. and being like, I'm in a pretty good mood. No, no, yeah. no. And then after I'm um, being social media, doing, oh, I feel rubbish. I feel, lower. I feel yeah. 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 Wow. And then I said to her, and what the the hard thing is, is I was like, I know what you're going to say can be a way to help with that. And that's to go on a social media detox or yeah. to get offline. But the reality is it is so hard, hard. to do. It's yeah.
1: everywhere. It's in everything yeah. we do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And um, So do they have realistic tips for that? Yeah. Well, one really great one was um, to remove the apps from your phone. Mm. So you can still be on Facebook and on Instagram, but it's something that you like sit down at mm. your laptop, at your desktop to do. You're yes. not constantly scrolling, constantly bus, feeding, yeah. getting notifications. Yeah. like. So it's actually important. making a conscious decision. Be like, I'm going to interact with it Yeah, now. I'll check
0: Facebook now rather than just mindlessly checking it all day. Yeah, whether yeah. it are
2: being omnipresent. Mm. And um, to also limit your feed. Like, I mean, there could be some people that you follow and some interactions that you have that make you feel great. And there could be other ones that don't. And it's like, if it's not making you feel good, then just, just leave yeah, it. Yeah, just yeah. leave it. Being I mean, right. you
0: wouldn't probably hang out with that person in real life if no. they didn't make you feel good. So just treat Apply your that. social media like your living room if you don't want them over and you don't want to hang out don't follow them yeah, yeah exactly and you yeah. can even
2: do it without them knowing now so exactly. it's not even yep. having to be like oh my god they unfriended me Yes. just yeah just, just smoke them. bomb out of there just yeah. quietly <laughs> move away make it a positive
0: space well we'll hear a few of those tips now because they were really fantastic
2: hello brady speaking oh hi brady it's emily here from HuffPost australia how are you going Good. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you today about social media anxiety. Yeah. Because um, for me, I feel like it's quite a new a new thing, um, but it is a thing, right? And I just wanted you to tell me in your own words what it what it is.
3: Well, I th- I think actually the term means different things to different people because it's not a established clinical term Mm
1: -hmm. so clinicians
3: don't use the term social media anxiety Um, but it definitely seems as though anecdotally and potentially in popular culture people are associating social media use with a heightened sense of arousal Mm. and therefore using the term social media anxiety.
2: Yeah totally And that, I mean, is that sort of the anxiety surrounding um, interactions on social media, how many likes you get? Like, how do you sort of find it manifests?
3: Okay, so I guess it's important to firstly say that in the clinical research, there is no established criteria for social media anxiety. So in the DSM, so the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, there's no recognition that social media anxiety is a clinical disorder or any clinical illness. So it's really important to establish early on that, that in a clinical well, we wouldn't say there's no such thing as social media anxiety, but it's not something that clinicians identify in their patients and have uh, a treatment plan or outline according
2: to the DSM. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay, cool.
3: So, but in terms of, let's look at how people are using social media, the popularity of social media, and the saturation of social media in society. Um, people who use social media um, often do report that at certain times, when using social media, they have a psychological reaction, and they, some of the the things that they might experience is with. Some things they might experience are when they're using it directly in that point of time, so they might see something and this can trigger uh, a reaction, or alternatively when they're not using it. So uh, their feelings around having not checked it or being very conscious of what's happening on social media when they're not on the site. So you can kind of separate the two in terms of, okay, what's happening directly in response to the use Versus, okay, what's happening to you when you're not using it? Yeah. Um, okay, is that, so there's some distinctions that that are really important because going into one of the things that has been flagged is sort of like this internet addiction. And when you look at properties of addiction, it's not actually necessarily what you're going through when you're using a substance. It's what you're going through in terms of withdrawal. So does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Okay, cool. So yeah, so back to, I think it's really important to kind of understand what anxiety is and what do people mean when they say anxiety. So normally, anxiety in its most basic terms is excessive worry. So constant worrying about things that may not necessarily um, be rational. Um, and then you you often have other things as well. So a heightened sense of arousal, feeling constantly on edge um, really nervous, stressed out, and not being able to relax. So they're some of the key components of what normal anxiety or clinical anxiety is like. And anxiety is, an, everybody has periods of um, periods of anxiety, and it's actually a very helpful stressful response because it helps your body identify when there might be danger present. Yeah. And so it's a really good thing, but often then, if you have too much of it, um, your body can't distinguish that fear.
2: So yeah. how, how would you sort of be able to tell if the way you're interacting with social media is not doing you any favours?
3: Okay. So because there is no established link between social media use and anxiety, so all the clinical studies that have been done only find small relationships across whole populations, If from the research, there's not a lot that we can draw from in terms of what does this look like, how do we prevent it, and how do we stop it? So, But in terms of what people report and what you often hear of, but particularly in the media, is that certain people are vulnerable to um, feeling more or being more emotionally affected by social media. And, so, and there are certain times in your life where maybe you may be more vulnerable. So in terms of signs and symptoms, the first would be trying to self-monitor your emotional state when you are on social media and also when you're not on social media. So one of the things you can do is, sort of a basic thing is, how do you feel before you go on social media and how do you feel on after? And that can be simple things like, Rating your mood like how do I feel now okay I'm on social media and then and how am I feeling after that and that can be a really good way to check in are you feeling like the stuff that you're seeing or being exposed to on social media is making you feel worse about yourself or worse about the world or your network
2: yeah no that's been really interesting thank you so much I really appreciate your time
0: Okay, next story, how to get back to sleep in the middle of the night. I love that you wrote this last week, Emily, and then you came in yesterday and said, <laughs> I can't get
2: back to sleep. I know. So I what did you it. learn from the story and then did you try putting it in practice? I learned so much and I didn't put any of it. Oh, I put one <laughs> thing into practice.
0: <laughs> and that's half the, I mean, I'm not a great sleeper either and that's half the thing. I know everything I'm supposed to do, but I don't do any of it. Yeah. So what are we supposed to do when we're awake at three and we can't get back to sleep?
2: Um, well... Lots of things. So first of all, be proactive. So I spoke to um, Dr. Dev Banerjee, who's a sleep special- specialist at the Integrated Sleep Health Clinic, mm-hmm. who's great, and he said, "Look, when you wake up at three AM, the damage is almost already kind of been done. Mm. Like that's when it's going to be really hard to because get because you've back been to asleep. asleep maybe
0: since ten, so you've got your five hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, yeah, your body's exactly. not exhausted
2: anymore. Yeah. He actually taught this it sleep debt. So when we go to sleep originally, mm. we've got lots we've got sixteen hours of debt to repay. Yeah. So that's why it's quite easy to fall asleep originally. But then when you wake up later, you've got less you've already repaid right. a bit of that debt, so it's harder. Yes. Um so he was like, so if you be proactive, if you're going to bed highly strung, if you're tense and you're just, you know, got your phone right next to your head and all that kind of stuff. Mm. He's like, that isn't setting you up for a good long sleep Mm -hmm. and it's not going to help you when you wake up at 3am yes so um you know he said you need to wind down turn off the tv don't your phone down yeah all that kind of stuff we know Mm. (laughs) we know dev we know (laughs) and um then he actually is pro counting sheep Mm. although he's like doesn't have to be sheep obviously but he says it's a distractional distractional therapy that Mm. because And he's like, "How often?" And this spoke to me so well. Are you thinking about such stupid stuff? Always, oh, like, um, and it's
0: the biggest deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For some reason, I
2: don't know if I'm gonna have enough cereal for tomorrow morning, yes. or, or I wonder if it's gonna rain, or like, yeah. you know. All I that forgot come. to send
0: that meeting request. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. And he says, "It is not. You're not awake thinking of world hunger, are you? Yeah, you're no. thinking about something so small and yeah, stupid, tiny and menial." Yeah. So he's like, "It's just a way of getting your mind away." from those topics. I like that on. they
1: suggested, you know, write a to-do list for the following day. It's kind of like getting those thoughts out of your mind out. so you yep. can go on to the bed. On paper. Yes. I really like that. I'm mm. gonna, I think I want to use that one.
2: Yeah. 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 And then he also said, don't force it, which is what I definitely do when I'm in bed awake. Go to sleep, fall Fall asleep. go sleep. Go sleep. sleep. <laughs> yeah, go sleep. I go to
1: sleep. Now I'll have two <laughs> hours and half
0: an
2: hour. I'll have two hours, 25. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I just want to, he said this quote, I want to read it. The brain is a sly beast and it will play tricks on you. Actively trying to force yourself to go to sleep can backfire spectacularly. Um, so so just, what could
1: we do in that instance? Stay awake, stay awake. Well, he actually said that <laughs>
2: yeah. as a, and, as a thing. Um, otherwise, get out of bed. Like, which to me just seems so counterproductive. I was like, why would I do that? And he said, "Um, just remove yourself from the situation. Like, because when you're lying there for so long, trying to force yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I often do that. I get up and fold the washing if it's 3.30 or 4 o'clock. And yeah, Yeah, I'm tired the next night, but I got through the day and then I probably Mm -hmm. sleep that next
1: night. So you just get up and use the time. Mm. Yeah,
2: exactly. Mm. And then go back to bed when you feel like you're ready
1: but do too. we avoid screens during that time when we're out of bed? Yeah. Yeah. He said,
2: read something really boring right? <laughs> and um, old. old, old so don't read HuffPost, guys. It's oh too no, interesting. no. <laughs> and don't make a cup of tea. He's like, he says it blows his mind. He's the like, people caffeine people. Caffeine, yeah. 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 Is warm
0: and comforting. Yeah. No.
2: No. Interesting. interesting.
0: Well, uh, another one you did. I'm just learning so much how I can change my life this week. Three <laughs> workouts you can easily do in your lunch break. <laughs> I loved this because who wants to get up cold and miserable on winter mornings the people who want to do a fasted workout lee (laughs) oh yeah those people (laughs) but for other people what can we actually do in our lunch break is this realistic
2: um yeah um so i spoke to david McIlwen from um fit for dreams Mm -hmm. and he said it totally is and it's a great way to um get in your exercise that you need to and also take advantage of your lunch break which lots of people don't do so you're kind of Killing two birds with mm-hmm. one stone.
0: Yeah, and to break up the day because I it's know, a long it's eight hours sitting at your desk. If you know you work at a
2: desk, and so I think using that lunch break to actually get outside.
0: Yeah, changes your afternoon.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And um, he's actually given us three workouts, which he's sort of tailored for the perfect workout, which you can find on our site. Mm-hmm. Um, but some general points um, is it so you're looking for a workout that's about thirty-five minutes long. That gives you heaps of time to get out of the office do the work I get back to the office have a quick shower mm-hmm. for 60 minutes That's I think that's pretty realistic yeah he said you've got to be patient and consistent and the more consistent you are the less patient you'll have to be because you'll start to Just form make a good habit yeah you want to think about things that don't require much gear so at the most, you might want to bring a skipping rope in your bag, yeah. but you don't want to be like you know, like taking weight, <laughs> <Dumbbells>. weight <laughs> yoga mat and everything. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and he was just like basically just saying that to do um, three times a week for six weeks before you before you get bored and. Give up and he said by then you should be seeing real results mm. and i'm like when you think about it three times 35 minutes
0: yes it's in so a true week, and like it's, it's doable your yeah. employer's time you know you can always carve out half an hour
2: yeah mm-hmm. so it's better
0: than you know getting to the end of the day regretting you giving yourself an excuse you don't do your workout after mm-hmm. work so just fit it in make it like a meeting in your diary and it's yeah. there yeah love it I'll try that if
2: (laughs) if my my (laughs) tips
0: for my last story work. So 14 ways to improve your self-discipline. I wrote this. I often joke that I was born without ankles or self-discipline. I'm terrible (laughs) at motivating myself, Um, which is why this spoke to me. Uh, The first tip was start on a Monday, which I thought was so interesting because I've read, don't start on a Monday, just start now. But the whole point of this tip was to pick a time, Pick a date and commit to it. Now, my problem with starting on a Monday is that it's always Monday the next week and, oh, well, I'll start next week. So you've actually got to start. Mm -hmm. That's the trick to that one. But planning, the point is planning I also really liked the use of post-its. So put post-its everywhere that you look and motivate yourself.
2: I love a post-it. I love a post-it. <laughs> so <much>. I often
0: <laughs> do this. I have them by my bedside because that's the first thing I see when I wake up, or on the fridge. And you know, it's not like "don't eat that" because it's that's not what I'm mm-hmm. about. But it's just like, why don't you go for a, a walk instead reminder. of watching? Yeah, the ninth episode of Orange is the New Black. And it works. Um, buddying up. I mean, that's pretty obvious. If you're an, if you're accountable you're more likely to go for that walk on the weekend. If you've said to someone, you'll be there. If you're not accountable, it's so easy to cancel. So uh, finding a buddy is really handy. Mm. And then I loved combining something you want to do with something you need to do. So they That was these, my favourite. Yeah, a, a should behaviour with a want behaviour. So you team these two things together. For example, I should go for a walk and I want to take away coffee on a Saturday morning so walk the half an hour to a coffee shop get your coffee and stroll back with your coffee and you've kind of done your exercise and you've also got that coffee that you wanted Yeah. and they're one in the same activity yeah and it kind of sets a positive
2: tone for the activity that you're doing yeah because like you look reward. forward to the
0: walk because the coffee is involved I
2: find having a destination whenever it, it makes all the difference yeah. I hate doing a lap of a park or yeah, something there's no point so boring but if I'm like I'm going to yeah exactly what you're I'm saying. going to breakfast yeah. or something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly
0: yeah. yeah or you've got to walk half an hour to meet your friend and then she's going to walk you back or whatever it is. So let's try and employ all these excellent tips and see how healthy we are (laughs) next week. And in the meantime, you can check out all our other HuffPost podcasts on our network. Um, Check out, in particular, HuffPost Humans and The Re-Up and we'll see you next week.